Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by My Hockey Resource and Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm drawn by Lindsay Hofford, former NHL Assistant General Manager and Director of Scouting. Having spent time with a number of elite programs in various coaching, scouting, and management positions, Lindsay is one of the more well-ventured guests we have had on the podcast to date, and his insight and honest perspectives throughout the interview show why he has had success at the various stages of his career. With that, I am happy to introduce Lindsay Hofford, former NHL Assistant General Manager and Director of Scouting. As sports fans, we're keeping our eyes on many different sports at this time of year, but looking at basketball, we all know that it's that time of year again. Bubble teams are making their final push for a bid, while the top seeds are preparing for what they hope is a long run. And DraftKings is giving all customers a free shot at up to $100,000 in total prizes. All you have to do is head to the DraftKings app and make your picks. Download the DraftKings app, Head to their free-to-play pools page and enter DraftKings' free $100,000 tournament seeding pool. Free-to-play pools are easy to play. All you have to do is make your picks for who you think will get a ticket into March's biggest tournament. If you have the most answers correct, you win and the bank is open. Plus, don't forget about golf's fifth major this weekend, taking place in Florida, where DraftKings will have even more money up for grabs. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of $100,000 in total prizes with DraftKings Tournament Seeding Pool. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at $100,000 in prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Lindsay Hofford, former assistant general manager and director of scouting at the NHL level. Lindsay, thanks for joining the podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm super ecstatic to have you on the podcast. And I know you have a lot of experiences, uh, which we'll be able to dive into uh, throughout the interview. But uh, great to speak with you, and and maybe through this interview we can learn a lot about your career, but also learn about you as a person as well. Um, so let's just start off with learning a bit about you. Maybe talk about your upbringing, playing sports in your early years, and just give people a general overview on who you are as a person. Um, yeah, as a kid, I grew up in Sudbury, Ontario, um, and as most kids there, was playing hockey. We had lots of outdoor rinks and whatnot. So I think I started playing like three or four. Um, played uh I guess it's playground and then they had like all-star teams back then there wasn't the organization uh that they have nowadays um moved to uh Prince Edward County town little town called Wellington probably one of the best hockey towns in in Canada uh home of the Wellington Dukes and started there playing uh Adam um and and played minor hockey uh in junior hockey there and then with Kingston um as well in junior hockey um, till I was about 18 or 19. And then uh, went on to uh, play hockey at the uh, University of Guelph. Um, 
and then uh, into a professional life after I graduated uh, from university with a double major in sociology and political science. Um, I worked like three years and then started my own business, uh, pro hockey development, uh, about 30 years ago now, I guess. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into that experience, but always interesting to hear uh, where people come from and, and people, uh, especially in Ontario, will understand Sudbury and, and Wellington, two great hockey towns. And, um, you know, the sport was definitely a part of your life early on and would continue as you move through your career with your own business, as well as experiences with different teams. And the first one I want to talk about is your coaching role with the Richmond Hill Knights. Uh, just talk about the process of kind of going into that role and, and the reason behind it and then what you learned in that initial coaching role. Yeah, so Richmond Hill, Vaughn Kings, they were, or still are today. Um, yeah, I was just, uh, when I was working, I actually started coaching before I started my business. So I was uh, had moved to, uh, to Vaughn and uh, was driving down Highway 7 and they had a... Uh, advertisement they were looking for coaches minor hockey coaches on the marquee in front of the the arena on uh, highway seven in Islington so I took the number and I was kind of when I got out of playing I was just kind of lost something there and it was like that competitive nature of coaching so I went to an interview uh with uh Sam Ciccolini and uh one of the uh, retired Leaf players Billy Harris um I think coach in the NHL as well I did the interview um, I think I came overly prepared for minor hockey interview and uh, was excited to end up getting a job uh, with uh, with that organization and coached, uh, I think, four years. It culminated with uh, with us winning the uh, the All-Ontario Championship in Kenora with the Kings. I think we were the first. We were actually in the Minor Hockey Alliance, believe it or not, um, back then and uh, we were the first alliance team to win the uh, the all ontario championship so yeah there were lots of lessons that i learned there i think you know harnessing my competitive nature was was one of them um also just building some foundational uh pieces uh building blocks in in my that would go on to help me in uh in uh you know coaching junior and and uh and then obviously scouting in the NHL and, and management in the NHL. So there were, there were lots of people I met along the way. I also cultivated my passion for coaching because I really got into it. It was like 24 seven for me. It was never like work. I, I, I love doing it. Yeah. I like helping develop kids and, and, uh, and obviously winning. So they were all things that I loved and it uh, filled a, a void in my life when I was, when I was done playing. So. Yeah. A lot of people talk about that transition from being a player and, you kind of, like you said, you, you lose that competitive nature or you lose that um, ability to fill the competitive nature, I should say, and, and, you know, get into a position like that. So definitely coaching is a way to, uh, to fill that void. And, uh, you know, you had the experience there at the minor hockey level, and then you would go in with the Blues organization and, and continue coaching there as well. Just talk about that next experience and, and kind of uh, how it extended your learning in the coaching area. Yeah, that was, that, that was my first real you know, attempt at junior hockey. So I actually started with Thornhill Islanders as an assistant coach. I was offered a head coaching job out of minor hockey, but I didn't really know the, the league, junior league. So I took a job as an assistant and then I felt really comfortable that I could move into the head role. So we had lots of success there. They were a bottom place team and we ended up, uh, you know, being a top, I think four years I was there, we were like one of the top teams, if not the top team. We won the Central Canadian Championship and then went to the uh, Royal Bank Cup. Had a ton of really good players there, younger guys uh, that went on to play in the NHL, Mike Camilleri, Mike York, Mike Weaver, uh, Adam Hall, Steve Eminger, uh, just to name a few. But uh, back then, the Tier 2 in Toronto was, was uh, really good. I actually had more talent on, on one of those teams than I did when I started coaching the London Knights. So, um, but that was a great experience. Um, and then obviously having success there. And then I went on to coach the, the uh, uh, Vaughn Vipers and they were a last place team. And uh, we went to first and that's when I ended up getting the, a job uh, with the London Knights in the OHL. Yeah, and, and we'll go right into that position because it's, you know, it's pretty uh, quick trajectory there going to the OHL and the London Knights are a team that a lot of people are very familiar with. So just talk about maybe how that opportunity presented itself 
and then discuss maybe the initial excitement going into the OHL level, uh, obviously, as you've made your progression through minor hockey and tier two and junior. Yeah, I was starting to get some people come talk to me from the OHL. So it was kind of, you know, there was some chatter there that, uh, and I was getting another interview. So it was, it was uh, basically Basil McCray. I was coaching Philip uh, for the brick tournament and Baz came into my uh, store that I had with pro hockey development and he saw all the hockey pay. He goes, Oh, I didn't know you coached junior. And I said, yeah, yeah. Coach junior. He goes, yeah. I just bought the London Knights with uh, Mark and Dale Hunter. He said, you give us your resume. So I gave my resume and, I had a pretty impressive resume at that point because of uh, we had won at basically every level and coach a lot of good players. So he brought it to Mark and they were already down through the interview uh, process. So uh, they called me and they gave me an interview um, and I went in and had an interview and I hit it off right off the start with Mark and Dale. And then uh, I went home and Baz come and go, wow, this is looking really good. And then they, went in for a second one and they, they offered me the job. So I was really excited, obviously to work with, with, uh, uh, Baz and Mark and Dale, um, three guys that, uh, you know, played a number of years in the national hockey league. And then just to get involved in the OHL, I'd been watching it, you know, the Sudbury Wolves when I was a kid. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a great, uh, great opportunity, uh, for myself and my family. So I was very happy, um, to get the job and then to be able to, I mean, we had, I think the three, three years that we drafted there, we, we had, we got Rick Nash, Corey Perry and, and Dave Bolin in the draft. And we, we were a last place team when we started as well. So um, we had obvious success there um, building the franchise basically uh, from the ground up. And, uh, you know, it was a great experience, lots of work and I met a lot of good people and, and was able to coach a lot of great players. So it was, it was really uh, important in, in my development as a hockey person. Yeah, for sure. I think anytime you can work with hockey minds, as you mentioned there, and then have the success in the draft that they did at that time and be able to coach players, like you said, Rick Nash, Dave Boland, some of those, um, you know, future NHL players in that organization, uh, it sets you up for uh, things further in your career and for you it was definitely another opportunity to learn and uh, you know take a team that maybe wasn't uh, at the level they wanted to be and take it to the next level and uh, you know people took notice of that and, and soon enough you'd find yourself with another organization this time moving to the WHL with the Lethbridge Hurricanes talk about again how that opportunity came to you and then maybe the difference in working for an organization in the WHL uh, where you had primarily been in Ontario to that point. Yeah, I really enjoyed my time in the WHL too. It, uh, I mean, it was different, so obviously similar uh, in many ways, but uh, just to familiarize myself with uh, the the league, and then obviously living in Lethbridge, it's you know southern Alberta. Um, we're very close to Montana, so it was a kind of different lifestyle. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Alberta is, to me, one of the most underrated uh, provinces. If you ever get a chance to go there, it's in, from north to south. It's 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 impressive. Um, yeah, it was more process driven there. So I was kind of with Mark and Dale. It was kind of more uh, collaboration between like the group. Where here they were like here, you know, they were last place team. Um, I got in there uh, just after Christmas time and they wanted me to change basically the culture and the process uh, that they had in place there. We actually had, I think the best record in the WHL from Christmas on. And then we were able to, uh, I think we got like 90 some points and, and the rink was filling up and it had opportunity to again coach you know guys like Brent Seabrook uh, Steve, uh, Christopher Stieg um, Jonathan Felowicz there was a number of guys that uh, went on to play in the National Hockey League there as well so um, it was a it was a great experience and uh, I got I guess a little bit more involved with just hiring staff and, and kind of in, in somewhat of a ma more management position so um, where I was more just a coach in, in, uh, in London. So, yeah, I think it was just another step in the development, uh, of, uh, my hockey career. And it was something that, uh, I look back on fondly. Yeah. It was great to hear about that overall uh, experience in Lethbridge. And, uh, one of the things you mentioned there was just the ability of, 
where you had primarily been a coach now getting involved in some of the hiring and adding that to your resume. And uh, a lot of people understand that in junior hockey, you will play a lot of different roles. And a lot of times you're involved in, in things such as management and scouting is another area that a lot of people have their hands in. And for you following your time at Lethbridge, you would find yourself back with the Knights uh, this time taking over as their director of scouting. How did you find your way back to London and then talk about the process of, uh, you know, stepping into a, a more dominant scouting role and some of the learning curves associated with that position? Yeah, that all started with, I, I actually moved back to Toronto um, from London because I came back from Lethbridge, went back to London and then moved to Toronto um, and was working with the Hill Academy, kind of developing their ho the hockey program there. And then my son was a 94 birth date. So he was playing on the Mississauga rep. So I was the coaching with Frank Peter Angelo um, at the silver stick and Mark was there scouting and he just came down to the dressing room after. And I hadn't talked to Mark in a couple of years. Um, and he just said, Hey, are you interested in scouting at all that helped me out the, the rest of the season. And, and uh, I think, whenever that I think it was like February so I knew the age group all just because my son had played in it um so I got involved there and then there was a their director of scouting at the time was uh was getting on in years so after the draft Mark asked me if he wanted I wanted to be the director and I, I said yes and then I mean the rest was history we had a number I think I was there for five years we went to four memorial cups and we had some really good drafts over that time and you know that segued me into the to the leaf job with mark um so yeah that i, I guess i cut my teeth there with the scouting aspect of it and back then like the process has evolved considerably since then because it was there it was just like a hey, volume of games and um you know watching players learning about the players and then we 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 got we had a lot of luck in london i actually talked to mark the other day about it where we drafted a number of guys that were really undersized and they, they all like grew to be like uh, decent sized players. So we did get lucky in a, a few areas, but uh, we were always talent driven. So we were looking for talent um, and, and, and guys that kind of entertained and made players around them better, you know, Mitch Marner's uh, Max Domi, you know, guys like that, that, uh, you know, have gone on to have, super NHL career so um it was again just a, a stepping stone I never looked at any of these things as stepping stone I kind of was like just lived in the moment you know not uh I don't know if that maybe I shouldn't have looked at it that way but I, I poured myself into the job and then the next door opened I didn't do it with the intent that uh, a door was going to open but uh that basically like I said segued into the uh into the NHL job with the with the Leafs as a Ontario scout. It's uh, very interesting just to hear about how things happen and, uh, you know, just right place, right time, you know, being coaching your son on the bench and next thing you know, you're, you're back in the game. And uh, that's kind of the way that the hockey industry works. And some people will look at positions for stepping stones, but as you said, you kind of lived in the moment, but at the same time, uh, that position with the Knights definitely was a stepping stone for you because it caught the attention of the Toronto Maple Leafs and, Soon enough, you were involved uh, there as an Ontario scout. Um, walk us through the process of joining the Maple Leafs and then uh, break down your experience with that organization during your time there. Yeah, that obviously Mark got the job as uh, the uh, assistant GM. And then I got the call shortly after that uh, as the Ontario scout. Um, and then basically I worked, I think, maybe two or three months as the Ontario scout. And then I got promoted to, to one of the directors of scouting, which was nice. And obviously the Leafs are a tremendous organization. They, they just treat their employees and their people. Like it's just out of this world experience, obviously to getting to work for an original six franchise was something special. And, you know, Leafs are probably the most, one of the most popular teams in the world. Um, and then, you know, working under Mark, who's, you know, I consider, you know, one of my best friends. And then uh, Brendan Shanahan, an ex-London uh, Knight as well. And uh, and then getting to meet Lou Lamorello and, and you know, getting to absorb some of his knowledge and, and the way he looked at things. Uh, it was a really uh, a positive experience. Um, and, you know, had the first draft, we were able to draft Mitch Marner again 
for the second time. Um, and I've known Mitch since uh, he was just a little kid. So that was really special. And then um, Austin Matthews uh, the next year was huge. Um, and that really got the uh, franchise, you know, back in the upper echelons of the, the, the NHL. And you see the impact that Mitch and, and Austin are having today. So, yeah, I was really proud of my time there. Um, and then that uh, kind of, again, got me set up for the uh, assistant GM job in Arizona. Yeah, I think any time that you can uh, find yourself in an HL position, it's, uh, it's something to be proud of. And um, the Toronto Maple Leafs definitely one of the bigger organizations, if not one of the biggest in the, in the NHL. And, and having that title, uh, especially in a director position, it's definitely a proud moment. And you're able to, you know, scout a lot more and see a lot of great players and, and then be successful in drafting Mitch Marner again for the second time and, and players like Austin Matthews. And you see how it's benefiting the Leafs today. And it's all about learning from these experiences and then taking what you learned into your next role. And as you hinted at there, your next role would be moving to Arizona as assistant general manager and director of scouting. Uh, again, what was the process of moving to Arizona uh, definitely a different hockey market than the Leafs. So what were some of the differences and then just break down your experience with the Coyotes? Yeah. So I got uh, John Chaika called me and uh, flew me into Arizona and I had Jake Goldberg who had hired in London was working uh, in Arizona. So he recommended me and went in um, and interviewed with John. I was there probably three or four days. Um, so it was pretty extensive. Uh, and I thought we hit it off right off the start, um, kind of, we had like minded thoughts with regards to the game. Um, I was actually being interviewed for, I think it was director of player personnel. Um, so I basically left the interview. I asked John how he thought it went. He goes, yeah, I'm just going to sleep on it. And I'll get back to you tomorrow. Um, so he called me the next day and he said, Hey, you know, I'm, you're not going to be the director of, uh, player personnel, you're going to be the assistant GM and director of scouting. So, um, so that was good. And then, uh, ended up getting a place in Arizona, um, and staying there. And I basically hired, uh, most of the, uh, pro and amateur scouting, um, staff and created a scouting process. So at that point, that's when I kind of took everything I'd learned to that date and, uh, you know, combined what I thought was uh, very important as far as uh, player evaluation at all levels. And it was just a combination of the soft data, which is your views um, of a player and your the hard data, which is analytics, and then the makeup of a player, the grit and the, the mindset that a player would have. Um, I hired Brenly Shapiro as her sports psychologist. She did all our uh, evaluations of our uh, uh, player prospects. Um, and then kind of, you know, did a risk analysis on the player. And then we formulated our, our draft list from it. Unfortunately, there was a change in ownership there um, partway through. And there was, there was, it, John had, other opportunities and kind of things disintegrated before we got even the chance to do our second draft. But again, it was a really valuable experience for me because it opened the door, not only uh, to develop the process, but also to get involved in the pro scouting. And uh, Mike Babcock had said that to me one time, he goes, I don't know how these amateur scouts can scout amateur um, if they don't know anything about the NHL game and it resonated with me, he, he brought it to Lou's attention. Lou is more of like stay in your lane and, and, uh, and there wasn't a ton of collaboration between the, the, uh, the different, uh, you know, uh, departments in hockey. Um, and he'd had obviously tons of success at that. So that was his thing, but Mike had brought that up. And then when I got my own opportunity, I combined the amateur and the pro scouting. I thought it was really successful. I know the guys liked it and it helped me a ton um, as well. Uh, and I think it gave the, the, the amateur scouts kind of a feel that they're actually in the NHL because that can be a lonely position traveling around the planet. Um, 
and 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 watch an amateur all the time. So it gave them an opportunity. I mean, they, 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 we had our our pro scouting department, but if we get, we have a guy in Toronto and he was a scout, then he his, his he'd have the Leafs as his responsibility, and he'd have to know that entire organization. So again, it was just you know a process that we put in place that I thought would would uh, be very successful, and I think it will be in the future when uh, or if I uh, get back in at it. Um, so and, uh, I, I always go back to another thing that Lou told me too. He said, there's never a bad pick. It's just a bad process. So I really concentrated on the process over time to try to correct um, any pick that I thought that I was involved in that didn't come to fruition to the level that we thought it was and then why, and then just kind of self-evaluate um, and reevaluate the pick and the process and then make corrections off of it. Yeah, from from that conversation, you can definitely tell the the scouting process has evolved over time. It's it's no longer just a a matter of watching a player saying you like him and and selecting him. And uh, at the NHL level, you have a lot of resources. You definitely want to utilize them. And I'm sure down uh, through different organizations, you're seeing more emphasis on different areas of the scouting process. But uh, very interesting just to hear um, kind of how you approach that role and uh, when given the opportunity to kind of expand the whole process and. Uh, handpicked the staff you kind of went in different directions to uh, to make it a really big collaborative effort and and maybe that comes from your time with London in the beginning like you said a very collaborative organization and uh, being involved in different areas and um, you know in, in terms of having control over an organization and being able to do things like that uh, you've been very successful with pro hockey development and um, have been doing that for a number of years so maybe give people a rundown of that organization and just, um, you know, your experience to date, and maybe how you've grown over time. Yeah. I started that back when there wasn't anything really available like that. It was like a spring hockey organization. I had like a training facility as well in a store, um, at the time, which we don't have anymore, but, uh, yeah, it was 30 years ago. I kind of had the idea, um, to start that, type of business it was basically you know tournaments and 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 teams back then in hockey schools um and it, it was primarily hockey schools back there I was big into the development and we did you know evolved into having camps basically and in, in Canada in the U.S. and travel around for like eight weeks uh through the summer and you know week to week camps um and we would do uh spring teams and spring tournaments and, and, and clinics. Uh, and we would basically do clinics and hockey schools for kids from their beginning, like four or five years old, right up to NHL. Um, and we had a lot of luck there with, uh, you know, not only developing players for the national hockey league, um, but, uh, you know, getting guys that were hardy well on their, on their way to becoming uh, stars in the NHL. So we, I think we we're up over 200 players that have come through pro hockey, maybe more now I haven't counted, but uh, over the last uh, three decades. Um, and now, now we're, well, I guess we're now like a travel company. We we're we're in Asia, uh, Europe, uh, North, like all over North America. And we do the, you know, tours, uh, training, uh, teams and tournaments so it's evolved uh into a uh a sizable business now i think we're the biggest in north america uh, in regards to that and it started a whole new industry too um that wasn't there at that time and it, it gave kids the opportunity to not only travel around and see the world but play with kids from all over the place and now with social media i know there's like you know kids that you know that through pro hockey that you know are connected on social media with kids from from all over the world now so i'm i'm happy with that i've met like tremendous amount of uh great people and parents um, and it's been uh hugely rewarding i don't do mo really the day-to-day -day stuff my wife does most of the day-to-day -day stuff now i'm more of the idea guy um now we just in the process of building a rink now in the bahamas um and I uh, started a new uh, uh, online company called Highlights, which is a scalable sports company for uh, that'll service all sports in all languages around the world. So 
I've been busy when I stepped away uh, from the NHL and, and been working on a number of projects that I had in mind, but just didn't have the time to do, as well as staying up on the scouting and just being kind of doing an audit of all the NHL teams and, and, uh, and their pro, pro players and, and pro prospects and kind of you know, working on that uh, a little bit here and there every day and, and kind of staying in the game that way. So, yeah, a great process of just staying sharp. But in terms of the program, it's definitely grown over the years and, and become a something that's, you know, worldwide and um, definitely has involved a lot of people over the years. And I think any time that you're involved in a program like that or private hockey um, outside the team setting, it can still be beneficial for meeting people and learning skills that can be brought back into the game. Um, you know, one of those opportunities that you touched on a little bit earlier is uh, working with Hill Academy, and then you've also worked, you know, AAA level coaching, different experiences. Uh, for you personally, how important do you think it is to work with younger players en route to making it to the top levels as a coach or in hockey operations? Yeah, I mean, it was it was great for my development because I started basically right at the bottom of the food chain and then worked my way up. So I got tremendous amount of experience, not only in coaching and scouting, but in player development as well. Um, and I got the opportunity to coach both my son, one with the, when he was in London and left, I didn't coach in Lethbridge, but in London and in, uh, in Toronto and then at the Hill Academy and then my younger son with Don Mills. Um, so those, those memories are, are, are great. And it was a great experience. And, and then I coached the brick team every year, the uh, like minor Adam age group. I think they're like 10 year olds. And I do that. Uh, I've done that. I think the last five or six years that to me is now I just get a kick out of working with the kids of that age. And, and obviously they're the top players uh, in the area you have Toronto and Ontario. Um, so, you know, you basically go to the tournament and there's, I think, 12 or 14 teams and you got the, uh, the best players of that age, basically from all over North America. Um, and it's just great to connect with the parents. And, you know, I try to pass on the advice to them and, and to work with the kids and coach the kids. I mean, it's a rewarding experience for me and a ton of fun. It's something I look forward to every year. So I, I actually got my, my son coaching with me now and, um, you know, so it's, it's a great event and, and it's uh, something, like I said, I look forward to every year. Definitely. I think anytime that you can get involved in uh, that level, especially it's a lot of fun, but um, you know, anytime you can coach AAA level and work with players who are probably going to go on to that next level, if their trajectory keeps going uh, it's, it's a good way for you to learn some of the development that goes on with these players and other aspects that you can use down the road. From a scouting perspective, you know, you've been able to watch a lot of players working with these elite players. What are some of the key things that you see in a player that maybe signals their ability to transition to the next level, whether that's junior or potentially the NHL? Uh, competitiveness, um, the will to succeed, uh, ability to, to work on your game, not just the things that you're good at, but maybe some of the things that... Uh, that you need to improve upon. I find a lot of guys that even make the NHL, but they don't reach their ceiling. They're focused on working on the guy's got a great shot. So after practice, he works on a shot all day, but he's not a great skater um, or he's not a student of the game. So I try to impress upon like the players that, you know, not everyone's going to be the, the best player, but you can play in the national hockey league. If you learn how to play on both sides of the puck, you can surrender yourself to the team, be a team player, be a character guy, be a player that people want to have around all the time. And I don't think there's enough of that. I think everyone's trying to be, you know, the top player, which is nothing wrong with it, but there's a lot to be becoming a complete hockey player. And I think the guys that are complete, they really increase their chance of playing long-term in the NHL and, and, and increase their longevity as well. Yeah, great point there. Um, keeping on the trend of scouting, uh, you know, from your experience, maybe not necessarily with a team, could be just a situation where you were just watching hockey over the years. Um, maybe what's who's one player who maybe didn't stand out when scouting, but went on to be a great player, and maybe one player that you saw right away and knew that they'd be 
um, you know, a potential player for the next level. Well, the, it was funny you mentioned that because back in the day when I was starting out, <laughs> the, it, size was such a big factor. And like the smaller player, no matter what he did, got pushed down the kind of the ladder. So I was looking at a guy like Mike Weaver that I had in, 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 uh, in minor hockey and then junior hockey, who was always the best, most competitive player on the team and get he ended up going to Michigan state and was undrafted um, as a 1978 born player. And then went on to, I think play as many or more games like over close to 700 games in the NHL. So out of that draft class, I think he, he was maybe played the most of anybody and he wasn't drafted. Um, So I was, you know, I was a big proponent of, of Mike's ability and his ability to play in the national hockey league and even trying to get him an agent was hard uh, at the time because like just the kind of mindset. So the fact that he made the national hockey league was, uh, was really rewarding uh, and to be able to play for that long. And then, I mean, some of these guys I saw like that, I uh, had ability or opportunity to coach such as, uh, you know, you know, Rick Nash or Corey Perry or Mike Camilleri or Mike York, these guys, like their skills just jumped out at you um, right away. And then they all went on to have, uh, you know, amazing careers. So they were, you know, easily identified. Um, You know, obviously Rick went number one overall um, and then went on to, uh, you know, hall of fame career. So, I don't know. There's, there, there's kind of some guys it's, I guess, where they're drafted. Some weren't drafted as high as probably they should have been um, for whatever reason, but then went on to eclipse what the expectations were. So those players that I had the ability to work with were, are always rewarding to see those guys go to yeah. where they've got. Yeah. All recognizable names there. And, and Mike Weaver is somebody who uh, does a lot on the coaching side now as well, uh, even outside his playing career. So uh, great to hear that, uh, you know, you were a fan of his game beforehand. And and obviously, uh, we see what he was able to do once he made it to the NHL. And Rick Nash and Corey Perry are two players who uh, definitely had the skill set early on. And that also carried to the NHL. Um, looking at some of your experiences uh, in scouting and, you know, you were able to travel to a number of different places. Is there one story or place, uh, maybe moment in your scouting career that stands out that you look back to? Uh, maybe it's just one of your favorite memories overall. Well, I just have some stories about Russia and, you know, be traveling to some of the smaller areas in Russia and just some of the things that we saw, which were kind of not believable. But uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just like the people I met. Hockey is a great sport and you're going to run into and meet like a ton of people from all over the world guys that you scout with that are from Sweden, Russia, uh, Finland, like all over the place. And then, you know, guys that I've had relationships with, uh, in hockey, not only as, uh, you know, scouts, but players and management that have lasted, you know, a great majority of my life. It's been, you know, a rewarding and fun experience. Um, and the good times are outweigh the, the, the trying times, uh, you know, exponentially so it's 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 been a a fun and rewarding career for me in in so many ways yeah I always love asking that question and a lot of times people will say the same thing in that it's more so the relationships that you build and people that you get to see all over the world and um, definitely some unique experience that you're able to uh, to bring into your life just because of the the game of hockey and the scouting position Um, another question I want to ask you here is talking about the assistant GM role uh, a lot of people in hockey and, and more so fans aren't really aware of some of the day-to-day tasks in that assistant general manager role. Um, maybe without giving too much information, just talk about some of the daily things that you deal with and uh, some things that maybe people might not uh, normally associate with the assistant general manager role. Well, it's most teams have like two now. So the roles are split. So Steve Sullivan was, he was the assistant GM and he did player development. So he had his player development staff and then he had the minor league team. 
and I was in charge of uh, amateur scouting and pro scouting. And then we both uh, collaborated with obviously the uh, Coyotes NHL team. So um, I had a staff of about uh, probably over 20 people. Um, and so uh, a big part of it is, you know, working and monitoring your staff and uh, kind of, we had a younger staff. So mentoring them and putting a process in place. And then I traveled like all over the world. So I was on the go quite a bit. I was in Arizona um, at a condo there. I was there like seven to 10 days a month. And then usually I was on the road. I was rarely at home. Um, probably another interview. If you want to interview my wife, she wasn't happy about it, but I was gone. <laughs> like <laughs> the majority of the time I actually had my son or her sometimes just meet me at the airport and give me a new suitcase and I'd be gone again. Um, so yeah, I guess a lot of travel, uh, and then communication with your staff when you have 20 people. And then I was wearing a number of different hats. So being able to transition between the amateur and the pro, and then the, the day-to-day, uh, uh, duties with the team. And then, uh, just organization organization was huge. Um, and being able to kind of balance everything at the same time. So. Yeah, it's definitely a very unique role. And I'm sure every team has a little bit of a different look. Like you said, most teams will have two people uh, working together in assistant general manager roles, dealing with development and scouting and the daily tasks. But um, always interesting to hear an inside perspective on that, just where people, again, aren't um, too familiar with that. And throughout that conversation there, you mentioned that you were able to travel a lot and, and meet a lot of different people and wear a lot of different hats. And um, you know, a lot of times you want to connect with those people and, and it's not always the easiest to do. And the people at my hockey resource feel they have a way to do that. They have a community on discord with coaches and managers and scouts from all over. And they talk a lot about topics in hockey and share resources. So for anybody looking to get involved, check out my hockey resource on Twitter and Instagram, Lindsay, for you, uh, people are definitely a, a big factor in your learning, but there's also ways to learn through resources such as articles, books, um, the athletic, different areas like that. For you personally, what are some of your favorites to reference for new ideas, uh, maybe before and even now, um, as you continue to uh, stay up to date in the game? Yeah, especially when I was younger. I, I mean, I grabbed every single publication. I could get videos from basically all over the world. I was uh, daily working on trying to better myself and learn from everybody. Um, obviously the people that you meet, the books that you read. I mean, I, I read, I'm constantly reading or when I'm driving, I've got, uh, the audio books on. Um, so yeah, you can never stop learning. Once you do, you're going to go backwards. So it's going to be books and articles and resources and the people that you meet that keep pushing you better. And I think it's, you, you, when, when you're learning, you're, you stay engaged, you stay motivated. Um, and it's always been a passion of mine. So it's, it's just something that came natural to me. So I was, I devoured tons and tons of, <laughs> of resources and, you know, you might, you might, uh, and as you get older and you gain more experience, you probably get less out of it. But if you can, it's just like golfing. the first time you golf, you're going to get this score. And then the next, and when you get down to where you're, actually decent to shave a couple of uh points off your your score it takes a lot lot more practice and and uh an effort and and that's just like now with the resources I, now i've i'm being more into the sports psychology aspect of it and the business aspect of it trying to uh you know uh educate myself in in those ways as well um and, you know, breaking down video is always a, a great way to learn um, about the game. And and, uh, and then plus you, you want to have your own kind of touch and feeling too towards the game. So um, some of the stuff that you do independently, you can't be scared. You got to kind of think outside the box on your own level. And uh, and when you feel confident with that, then you, you put it uh, – into your whatever you're doing as a scout or a coach or a manager yeah, into your own uh, into your own team yeah great statement and uh i'm definitely not much of a golf player i blame it on the 100 kilometer winds here in newfoundland that's why my my drive is a uh, subpar at best but 
Um, I agree with everything else that you say there in that uh, it's always good to learn these different things. And especially early on, uh, look for different resources when maybe you don't have the experience in some areas and try to learn from other people. And, um, you know, continuing in that, that kind of leads into the topic of mentorship. And a lot of times people throughout your career are able to give you little pieces of information that uh, you hold with you until you move into a position that uh, you feel comfortable and that you're striving for. So for you personally, looking back on your career to date, who are some of those key mentors who helped you progress in the game and what are some of the collective lessons that they taught you? I think first and foremost, my parents, because they just taught me not to make excuses and never to be outworked. So I was always driven and they, you know, instilled that into me at a very young age. Um, and then obviously guys that I, I, I worked with along the way, uh, Mark Hunter, John Chica, Lou Lamorello, Brendan Shanahan, uh, got Bob Goodnow. I coached his, his son. He was a big influence, opened up doors for me. Um, Sam Ciccolini, uh, I, I mean, I can go on and on a lot of the players that I, I, I coached, uh, when they were young, watched them develop and had a lifelong relationship with, uh, with those guys as well. So it's, it's endless. Nobody gets to where, you know, to the level, the NHL level without having people that, uh, that uh, have helped along the way or that you've learned along the way. And, you know, the pivotal things that I went to were like the, 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 the guys that uh, own teams that gave me opportunities like, uh, uh, in the Kings, like Sam Ciccolini, Aldori and the, and the Vipers and Joe Abraham and Danny Gale with the Bramley Blues and then Mark and Dale and Baz with, uh, with uh, the London Knights and then Mark again with the Leafs and then uh, John Chica, Jake Kohlberg with Arizona. So it goes on and on. But, uh, you know, it was, you know, you got to have uh, people that trust you and, and uh respect the work you do. And, and, uh, I had a lot of them over the years. So. Yeah. That trust and respect goes a long way. And, uh, throughout your career, you know, you build those relationships and you never know, uh, when those relationships are going to lead to an opportunity. And sometimes it's just uh, a friendship that you can hold with you. Uh, looking back, maybe talking to yourself as you were coming out of your playing career or somebody who is just looking to get into the game of hockey on the hockey operations side, what's one piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful in the area of coaching, scouting, and overall hockey operations? I'd say try to get better every day. That's the key. And again, we talked about materials that you you can read or books that you can read a lot can shape the way you think and give you a paradigm shift. Um, Hockey in some aspects can be myopic in a lot of ways. So you want to kind of push the envelope all the time. Um, and then I would say you got to make yourself accountable every day. Don't make excuses. Don't point the finger at anybody else. Don't get in job preservation mode that I see that quite a bit, have an opinion, state it, but be prepared. Um, loyalty to your organization, the people that you work with, I think is very important. Um, you got to have the ability to make tough decisions, um, that maybe aren't always popular. Um, even within your organization or with the press that you believe are right, you still have to do it. Um, and I, I like little things like having multiple income streams too. Just don't get tied into, you know, the hockey job because you can go from a hundred to zero, like right in one day, if you lose your job. So I think if you have multiple income streams, then you're going to, you're not going to make decisions that are not based on, the good of the organization or the good of your career or the good of, you know, like what the, the actual situation holds right at that time. And that goes back to that job preservation mode. You're just kind of on along for the ride. <laughs> then, you know, you might keep your job, but I don't think you're going to have the feel the same kind of feeling that you positive feeling you should have at the end of something when you, you do have success. And then I, the last one is never be at work. Those are things that, that you can completely control. And I think that's one thing I'm very proud of. I think in my career that uh, I've always went above and beyond and really poured myself into it. And uh, I would see the work life balance. I mean, the NHL doesn't really 
afford you that you're, 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 you're about seven days a week when the season's going on and you're scouting and whatnot. And then you have, you know, a couple of months off where you can kind of, you know, it's family time and whatnot. Um, but through that time, I mean, you still have to obviously keep up with your family and, and, uh, and work out and stuff like that. But there's a long day. There's not a lot of downtime, uh, when the, when the season starts. So. Yeah. A lot of sacrifice needs to be made and, uh, you know, just so much great advice there, you know, be the hardest per working person. And, uh, you know, like you said, don't be there just to keep your job, you know, multiple income streams, all these things need to be taken into consideration. And, uh, if you do everything right and, and, you know, do it for the right reasons, you can be successful at the end of the day. Uh, Lindsay, I just want to thank you once again for joining me on the podcast today. A lot of great information on different levels there and a lot of great insights. And at the moment, uh, you're doing a few different projects, but I'm sure the NHL will be open to you soon enough. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Yeah, thank you uh, very much. Pleasure to speak with you and keep up the good work. All right. I appreciate that. All the best. Okay. Thank you. I'd like to thank Lindsay for joining me on the podcast and talking about his career in the game thus far. When we can speak to someone who has held roles in various areas of hockey operations, it gives us a great broad view of the ins and outs of the industry. So for providing that candid detail, I would like to once again thank Lindsay for joining me. If you would like to get in touch with Lindsay to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or you can contact Hockey Minds Podcast at Outlook.com and I can look to help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Mike Tarantino, general manager with the Collingwood Blues. Throughout his various roles in junior, Mike has created a solid resume, and I'm excited to share his background and philosophies with you all on that Wednesday release. Thanks again to everyone who has listened to the podcast as of late, as we have seen tremendous numbers in the month of March. Stay tuned as we will be releasing more conference information, new podcast guests, and our first newsletter in the very near future. As always, stay safe and all the best.